Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, September 16th, and we're recapping Apple's event from last week. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on Skype by Fool.com Senior Technology Specialist, Evan New. Evan, how's it going? Pretty good. It's iPhone day. iPhone day. Uh, yeah, so Apple's anticipated press event went down last week, um, of course, on the 7th. They are now going to actually go on sale, so people are getting their hands on the phones today. Um, some interesting news coming out of that. But um, this is Cooper, the Cupertino company's latest update to the iPhone line. Uh, they're calling it the 7 and the 7 Plus. I know there's some speculation there. Um, given that the iPhone line accounts for about 60% of Apple's revenue, it fluctuates a little bit quarter to quarter, um, tech insiders and investors alike are uh, obviously going to eagerly anticipate this unveiling and see what the next generation device looks like. So, uh, why don't we hop right in? What is the new line offering users? I think it's pretty modest and incremental. I mean, every year it's just getting more incremental and more incremental just because smartphones are so good nowadays that it's hard to really make them that much better. You know what I mean? Like, the improvements a few years ago used to be so mind blowing that it's like, yeah, you have to go upgrade if you care about it. But, like, I'm actually skipping this year for the first time in eight years, which is kind of weird for me <laughs> just because I just don't think it's that compelling. But, I mean, the the so far the early indications look pretty strong in terms of like the again you know the lines at the stores, you got the carriers announcing a lot of good strong PR activities, and you know I mean there's a lot of positive sentiment right now around this device even though it seems in my opinion even a little kind of incremental and very you know I, I don't think the improvements are that great. <laughs> so I think one of the biggest and you know just one that probably got the most press in terms of features or changes was the removal of the headphone jack. Um, definitely one of the more controversial elements of the new phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple decided to kind of shift consumers towards wireless connections um, using Bluetooth, things like that. And of course, they are offering uh, $159 AirPods to help ease that pain. But um, the new phones will be shipping with a lightning port adapter that will allow people to plug in their headphones. It seemed like the removal of the headphone jack was really something that enabled them to uh, up the processing power, improve the battery life, make some camera improvements, and that um, it was you know a form factor decision that kind of helped them juice the guts of the phone itself. Yeah, I think it's just just kind of it's just Apple's same thing about identifying that some technology or standard is outdated. And I mean, the headphone jack is like 100 plus years old. So, <laughs> so it's um, of all the standards they've killed in the past, this is like one of the oldest ones. So it's actually, arguably, it's kind of surprised they haven't done it already. Um, but, you know, every time they do this, they get a bunch of crap and people don't like it. And they, you know, but the market always survives. And I mean, yeah, there's always these big ecosystems that are built around these ports or standards. But at the same time, it's also. You know, they're the only company that that does this that pushes the industry forward in this way because all the other companies are too kind of afraid to like make these controversial decisions. And this is not a new thing for Apple. I mean, they do this; they've done this for the past forty years, and every time they do it, it's it's kind of controversial. I mean, there's you can see both sides. Just like every other time they've done it, there's two sides. You know, everyone's like, "Hey, I, I want to still be able to use all my stuff," but then you know, if you look forward into the trajectory of you know audio connection. Connectivity. Um, yeah, Bluetooth, like you mentioned, is getting a lot better, especially with Bluetooth Low Energy, and just it's just kind of like analog going to digital. You know, I mean, the the Lightning audio is a digital connection versus the headphone jack, which is an analog connection. So it's just you know, it's just one of those other things that kind of probably needs to happen eventually. 
Yeah. And Apple just kind of is, is making the leap now. And there's even suggestions now that they're, you know, they actually recently sent out a survey to their users asking if people use their headphone jacks on their laptops. <laughs> so it's obviously they're thinking about killing it on the laptop eventually, which isn't surprising per se. But I think that's, that's another, and, you know, for people's computers, you have people that plug in their home audio, you know, their computer speakers in there too, in addition to headphones. So it's an even bigger ecosystem of like devices that you, you have to try to like, transition somehow you know versus like on a, on a smartphone it's just head, headphones right versus like speakers so now it's just you know it's a pretty big change i mean it's one of the bigger ones i'd say yeah and to quote apple it definitely takes courage uh to make a decision like that um i know as someone with a nice set of bose headphones that are not wireless yeah, uh, like these I'm, <laughs> yeah i'm going to need uh to use that adapter uh, like i said they will ship with the phones um you know, one of the criticisms is that you, like, unless you use a different type of adapter, uh, you won't be able to charge and listen to music at the same time. Um, some of the other big things with this product release, um, they introduced water resistance. So the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus can be submerged under three feet of water for 30 minutes. Uh, that's kind of the uh, the benchmark that they're using there. Uh, Apple is not the first company to do this. Samsung pretty heavily promotes their water resistant products. Um, so, just kind of an interesting thing. I know that they deal with a lot of water damage products, and I don't believe that water damage will be covered under warranty. That's but, right. Uh, you know, just selling. The funny, the funny thing about the waterproofing thing is that last year's iPhone was actually surprisingly waterproof. Like, there, there are test videos from last year of people putting iPhones into a bowl of water for literally like an hour. <laughs> like, they time lapsed it, and it still works. Like, they would check on every that 30 minutes, you know, like. So, I think that they had made a lot of progress last year. But of course, if you market it, people are going to do it, and if they're disappointed, then you're kind of in a hot spot. So I think that what they did is they started this process last year, didn't tell anyone about it, just because they didn't want to like invite people to test it, even though of course people test it anyways. And then now they felt more confident with the changes that they did this year with making it even more sealed. That now that's t- they're touting that as like a big thing, but it's actually something I think they started. Last year, maybe even the year before that. But. Yeah, I think that's a feature that's better to kind of surprise consumers with than have, right. them, than have them expect it and not quite deliver on it. Um, so that's something you can look forward to if you're thinking about upgrading. Um, the phones also tout a longer battery life. I believe it's an extra two hours uh, for the 7 over the 6S, and I believe it's an extra one hour for the 7 Plus over the 6S Plus. I think that's a big achievement, because I think most of that is coming from this A10 Fusion processor with its greater efficiency, because I, th- I think the battery might be a little bit, I, f- I can't remember the numbers, but I think the battery is a little bit bigger, but I think the, the majority of that gain is probably really coming from efficiency gains on the power side from that processor, because they're finally doing this, like, this, um, processor architecture that has the two powerful cores plus the two little cores, which is similar to something ARM used to do called Big Little, but this implementation is not exactly that. This one's much more sophisticated, but the concept is that you know you use these low-power cores when you have low-power tasks, and you save a ton of energy, and I think it's just a huge testament to how, how far Apple's chip team has come. I mean, it's crazy that they've come this far, and they're, they're now one of the most sophisticated processor makers in the world, and their first proprietary chip was in 2010, you know. So we're talking about six years when they had the A, you know, the A4 was the first one in 2010. And now they're at this insane level where they're basically like, like the iPhone 7 Plus is basically stronger than a MacBook Air. Like, That's incredible. In six years, they've done this. Like, yeah, it's it's really mind blowing, and, and they don't get much credit because they don't. It's weird because they don't talk about this very much. Yeah, I think that they tend to focus on the very visible uh, features and form factor 
kind of elements of the product um, to give you an idea of what the performance numbers look like generation to generation. The A10 chip is approximately 40% faster than the A9, which is what they use to power the 6S, and uh, the A10 chip is twice as fast as the A8, which uh, powered the iPhone 6. So um, you're definitely getting a pretty good performance boost there. That might be one of the uh, that and the battery life. Um, you know, like two of the really big, big elements that you might not notice right away just looking at the product, but once you start using it, you'll really start to kind of feel. Um, they also are touting some new camera systems. Um, the 7 and the 7 Plus both sport 12 megapixel cameras. Uh, but I think one of the um, one of the more noticeable things as well is just kind of the base level storage. This is something I've been expecting for a while. Um, I was kind of thinking they might do it with the 6S, uh, but the 7 line runs 32 gigs, 128 gigs, and 256 gigs of storage. Um, that's up from the 16 and 64, uh, and then 128 on the iPhone 6S. Um, they've also decided to up the storage of new 6S's uh, to be in line with that. So if you're buying a new 6S, you can get it for uh, the base level will be 32. Um, so I think that just kind of makes sense. I know we're moving to a lot of cloud storage, but it's nice to uh, have some extra space on there, particularly if you're a metro commuter or you're in a lot of areas where you're going to be offline or something like that. I know I always appreciate that. That's weird because I was always one of the few people that actually liked the 16 gig model from just purely from an investing standpoint, just because it's like it it's it's so bad for consumers <laughs> that it's actually really good for investors. If that makes sense, because 16 is really so insufficient that you kind of have to upgrade to the 64, the mid-tier, at a minimum, which just boosts your revenue and your average selling prices and all these things. <laughs> so from an investing standpoint, I was actually a huge fan, even though from a consumer standpoint, yeah, it's pretty bad and annoying because it's so insufficient. But now with this 32, it, 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 it's, it's, hard, it's a harder call because now people will have to ask. Because like, before it was like, oh, there's no way I can get away with I can do 16 because it's just a joke. Right. <laughs> but now with 32, it's like, hey, maybe I could. It, now they have to actually have to. They're actually put to a decision of like, do I spend the extra hundred bucks to go to 128, or can I actually stick with 32? So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with ASPs going forward. But at the same time, they just introduced SE, which starts at 400 bucks, and that already puts a pretty big downward pressure on ASPs in general, anyways. Yeah, maybe so, the logic there was just the the SE is going to kind of fill that niche and. Um, uh, make right. it a little bit easier. I know when I got the success, it wasn't even a consideration. Like I went for the 64 gig model. Yeah, exa- exactly. Right. <laughs> you, you just like, and you knew I mean, you get Apple another hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. um, and just to bring it around to prices, since we talked about ASPs, average selling price, um, the iPhone 7 will start at six hundred and fifty dollars, and the 7 Plus will start at seven hundred and sixty nine dollars. Uh, so that's kind of the starting point there. Um, the company that's interesting too because they're bumping the seven plus by an extra twenty bucks because it used to just be a hundred dollars more and now it's one hundred and twenty dollars more, and you have to think that that I have I, I tend to think that that extra twenty bucks that they're charging is related to the camera system because that camera system is, is expensive. Mm-hmm. And the iPhone seven plus has kind of a two lens camera now, uh, where in the past it was just one. The seven maintains the one lens camera, but um, certainly some added features there and a little bit of. Uh, extra stuff under the hood, so to speak. So, yeah, I think that kind of makes sense. Um, the company predictably took some flack for its decision to ditch the headphone jack, like we talked about, questionable use of the word courage throughout the um, presentation, but stock's up 10% in the last five days, which, you know, for a company Apple's size, um, is pretty noteworthy. Uh, 
you know, anything, anytime you see something like that, I think it's less to do with uh, the product specs and, of course, more to do with what's going on with pre-order information we've seen from a couple different outlets. Um, some of the different wireless carriers announced what they were seeing in terms of pre-order activity. T-Mobile said that the two new iPhones have shattered previous sales records. Um, I believe orders are coming at some, coming in at something like 4x what the iPhone 6 did. Um, Sprint also saw very high pre-order numbers. Uh, they said orders were up 375% over the first three days of pre-order availability compared to last year. Um, AT&T and Verizon, a little bit more muted in what they were talking about um, related to the iPhone line, said pre-orders were pretty much business as usual, business as expected. Um, I, think I think AT&T said at a conference the other day that they were just above expectations. Okay. Still pretty, still pretty vague, but... Yeah. So, uh, some really nice color from T-Mobile and Sprint, not so much AT&T and Verizon. Right, right. But um, I can't say that I'm surprised that we're seeing some really good pre-orders. I mean, one, it's an iPhone. And two, um, you know, the wireless carriers, most of them, I think all four of them, have gone with the free iPhone 7 promotion. And so, um, it, it's kind of tough to parse out how much of that is uh, what would be a f- kind of full-price purchase iPhone versus a free iPhone that's coming with an upgrade and a two-year commitment to that wireless provider. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of the grain of salt that you need to take with any of those pre-orders. Yeah, I think that the... Um I mean, I, like like you said, the stock's been up like ten percent or so the past few days, and I think that it's interesting because they're it's on heavy volume. Like if you look at the the volume activity, that that's it's the, the game is on the back of some a lot of volume. So there's a lot of people coming in. Like it's not just a light volume kind of move. Like there's a lot of people that are coming into the stock uh, on all this iPhone seven optimism, which is kind of ironic, I think, because. It's basically just idea that you know there's this sentiment of the iPhone Seven is going to do strong. This carrier stuff that you mentioned, but the irony is that like Apple has been trying really hard to shift away from focusing so much on unit sales numbers, which is also partly why I think they're not going to release their launch weekend sales for the first time in like five plus years, because they've always announced launch figures you know every year, but this year they said they're not going to. Yeah, and, I believe a company spokesperson said, and this I'm actually taking this from an article you wrote, uh, these initial sales will be governed by supply, not demand, and we have decided that it is no longer a representative metric for our <laughs> investors and customers. So, the, the silly part about that is that that's been true every year. Right, <laughs> so, yeah, that's always the like case. The, so, like, I don't really believe their reasoning for why they're saying it, because, like, it's always been supply constrained. Every year, it's supply constrained. So, like, that's not a new thing. So, them saying they're not going to give this number because of that, I think, is kind of a cop out. I think it's part of the broader strategy to like kind of get people to stop focusing on unit sales because what they want people to focus on now, particularly investors, is to like look at these recurring revenue sources. That you know they've been touting all this like installed based purchases and services revenue and all these things that are not tied to unit sales. So they're trying to get investors to focus on those numbers instead of unit sales. But obviously, investors are still focused on unit sales because when you see, hear all these positive storylines about the iPhone 7, they go out and they buy the stock. Plus, combined with the fact that the, the Samsung Note 7s are exploding, I think also <laughs> helps. Um, so I think there's just a lot of positivity around, around the iPhone 7, despite the fact that Apple's trying to shift the focus away from how many units they sell. Yeah, and I think you're absolutely right. And you look at the way that their revenue mix is going, um, it's going to play out that way. Like I said earlier, you know, the iPhone contribution to revenue was 
in the past about two thirds. I believe it was down to about 56% uh, as of their most recent quarter, and that's because of that rising service revenue. I mean, you also have the introduction of the watch line and things like that, um, which they updated in this most recent press event. But um, yeah, you know, the, the iPhone, while it is going to be the cash cow for them, uh, I, I think they're making efforts to highlight other parts of the business. Um, this recent rise uh, that we talked about actually pushes Apple above a 13 PE on a trailing basis for the first time in like over Ooh, a year. So expensive. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is kind of <laughs> insane. Uh, but looking at like kind of how all this fits into where the business is going, you know, last quarter the company guided for revenue between 45.5 billion and 47.5 billion. And even if they dramatically beat that guidance, which you know, I mean, they've typically been either in the high end of their guidance range or slightly above it, um, they'll likely fall short of previous year's numbers for the third straight quarter. Um, I, I believe last a year ago quarter for fiscal, uh, the fourth fiscal quarter, they were around 51 billion. Uh, just to give you an idea of how different the guidance is there, um, you know, it's it's tough to keep seeing this. You know, where it's like the product's really successful, uh, customer satisfaction's really great. Uh, they just keep going up against these really tough comps, and um, eventually that's going to change. But um, don't expect that trajectory to be any different for the next couple quarters. I think that's the one of the key things investors need to keep in mind here is you're going to probably see year over year declines for this quarter, next quarter, possibly even, you know, 3 quarters out. I think that there's a chance that the iPhone 7 could generally speaking, regardless of the timing. I mean the timing for the year over year comps is always tricky because it's always very dependent on like when they launch the phone. In this in this case they're launching the phone with like 2 or 3 weeks left in the quarter. Previous, like last year, I think they had like just a couple days or something. So you know, the the launch timing really has a big impact on just how much of that launch gets captured in which quarter. But kind of in general, I think that there's a chance that the seven could push them the cycle up to kind of you know, because yeah, like the sense is like iPhone unit sales have peaked because they've been kind of flattish roughly over the past year, um, you know, year over year or whatever. But you know, if you look at Every two years, they they basically push higher because you know, of the cycle that they've done. Those two year design cycle of five five s six six etc. You know, so the the performance of the the sales are at least for the past like two major product cycles, they they tend to go kind of in tandem uh, because you know if most people upgrade their phone every two years and all the people that upgraded in for the six are probably all going to upgrade for the seven. And, you know, they just have this kind of pattern of like going in pairs, and I mean. Who knows if that actually plays out again this year? Just because the stock is so, you know, the, the sales are so high that it's hard to really grow. But I think there's a possibility, particularly with all the kind of indication that we're seeing. But you know, I wouldn't bet on it necessarily. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, I think it's 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 like a curveball. You know, it's possible. Yeah, we've talked in the past about the idea of um, maybe a two-year comps being a little bit more relevant for Apple, uh, just because of. Uh, the update cycle that they're on, I think, as you talked about before, like their uh, their refreshes on the product become more incremental and less, um, you know, major step changes. Uh, I start to look at them more on a year-over-year basis. Um, to your point about releases, uh, another important thing to remember here is the all the numbers that Apple will be reporting for fiscal Q4, calendar Q3, um, only two weeks. Of that period will have the iPhone 7 available. So um, it will be a part of those numbers, but it is not going to be a major contributor. Uh, you're going to really want to look at fiscal Q1, um, calendar Q4 
for what it's going to be doing for their financial statements. I'm sure we're going to get some commentary um, in the company call come fiscal Q4, but uh, you know, just something to kind of keep in mind. And it's weird because this is the first time they've ever pushed a three-year design cycle, so it'll be really interesting to see like how that changes the performance because they've never done a three-year design cycle before and, and it's also a testament to like smartphones getting more mature right because it's kind of like laptops it's like they redesign laptops every like four to five years but they'd always redesign their phones every two years so now you see you're seeing that design they're you know they kind of feel comfortable that they can kind of push that limit on the design side uh, and but then then the real question is what happens next year like because everyone's expecting a new design next year maybe an oled display maybe no home button maybe curved display you know whatever and then it's like how long are they going to keep that? You know, it's just it's just it just throws everything out of whack. The fact that they're changing the timing of these cycles, um, and it's you know it's interesting. It's going to be kind of see, cool to see what happens um, going forward. And plus, like, what are they going to call it? They're not, they can't call it the Seven S. <laughs> yeah. If they change the design altogether, eventually it, they're going to have to dip, <laughs> ditch that naming convention one way or the other, right? I mean, I've been tell I've been saying they should ditch that thing for years, just because. I mean, this is the iPhone Seven. It's the tenth iPhone. And then what? Next year it can be iPhone eight, the eleventh iPhone. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just making no sense. Yeah. Um, so I, I think to kind of bring it back around and just kind of what to watch for here. Um, if the product incremental upgrades that we talked about, uh, some of the performance changes are visible enough to people that maybe currently hold an iPhone six, um, or you know the offers from these wireless carriers look compelling enough, I, I think you could see some really great numbers. Uh, for fiscal Q1, <clears throat> which would be calendar Q4, uh, but you won't get a report on that for uh, quite a bit. So uh, you know, be be wary of that, and just know that any real big enthusiasm is going to come through more in the company's call than in the numbers that the company reports next quarter. Um, anything else on this? I mean, I, I think the that that's kind of the investing takeaway. Obviously, everything that they delivered here was kind of. Um, what we'd been expecting, you know, from pre-launch leaks and rumors. Yeah, I mean, everything pretty much came in right on target with with expectations um, as far as like the product specs and, and things like that. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I think the Watch Two looks okay, kind of same thing. It's like Watch Two looks like what they should have done with Watch One, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't think many people are going to upgrade from the Watch One to the Watch Two. It just doesn't seem very compelling. But maybe they get more first-time adopters that like were on the fence about Watch One and didn't. Do it, but now Watch Two is more compelling, more stronger products. So maybe the people that were on the fence will jump in and go ahead and be a first-time buyer for the, for the smartwatch. And then, you know, of course, once they do that, they're on this upgrade track that they're going to eventually upgrade. Yeah. However long. Who yeah. Knows. Yeah, you have the chance to win over those people that don't want to own a first-generation device with the watch, basically. Right. So I, th- I think the Watch Two does look compelling in that sense. Um, of course, there's no detailed results to compare it to because Apple won't give them to us, but you know, kind of just generally, I think that it's you know, of course, products just get better over time, and you know, next month there's supposed to have these new MacBook Pros, which you know might reinvigorate the Mac lineup because that's that lineup's been there for like four years, so you know, coming out with a new thing there could really juice the the Mac performance for the next few years. Yeah, certainly more to watch there, and listeners, you can guarantee that uh, we will be sure to comment on it, and several episodes down the road, uh, do a little check in. Uh, anything else before I let you go, Evan? No, I think we covered most of it. Awesome. 
Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you just want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at bool.com. You can always tweet us at MF Industry Focus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. For Evan New, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.